Culture 5. My name is Jeremy Dove, and I'm joined by my tag team partner, the man who loves to party all the time, Mr. Thomas Senna. Thomas, what's <laughs> going on, buddy? I was hoping that that song would come up, and it did within the first few seconds of the pod. So that makes me really happy. I was trying to, I was going to try to shoehorn in party all the time in this episode, but you did it for me. Oh, absolutely, man. Absolutely. You know why? Because even though, you know, we're looking at essential Eddie Murphy movies, this is still a pop culture podcast. And anybody who knows about Eddie Murphy knows somewhere in that conversation, you're bringing up party all the time. And even though you want to make fun of it, you're going to be bobbing your head to it and be like, oh, it's, I can still yeah. jam to it a little bit. I'm like that Jay-Z gif where he's just kind of like moving his head <laughs> like that. Like that's how with my party all the time comes on. That's how I am. <laughs> well man how how are you doing thomas man things are good we are uh i'm loving what we've been doing with the pod so far but i've been getting great feedback uh i'm just really really energized uh, just about the pod in general and especially today man it's an intersection of some of my favorite things like movies comedy you know that I'm uh, one of the co-hosts of the uh, SNL Hall of Fame podcast, so this is an right. SNL guy that's near and dear to my heart. So this is like an intersection of a lot of pop culture things that I really, really love. Absolutely, absolutely. And we're doing essential Eddie Murphy movies. And I have to just agree, man, like he hits on so many levels. And, and I wanted to to ask you, What's the first thing that comes to mind, Thomas, when you think Eddie Murphy? Like, what hits you first? Gosh, I think uh, with me, it's it's as a kid watching Buckwheat and James Brown and Stevie Wonder on SNL. Like, watching Eddie Murphy on SNL. Uh, I used to do watch him on Comedy Central reruns. VH1 would sometimes show older episodes. So when I was a kid... That's how I was familiar probably with one or two of his movies, but really his SNL stuff made me love and appreciate Eddie. Mr. Robinson's Neighborhood is right, still one right. of my favorites to this day. Yes. So for me, it's a lot of those characters on Saturday Night Live that just just ingrain themselves in me for sure. That's what I think when I first think of Eddie Murphy and the laugh, I got to say, and his laugh. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, that was good. Did you practice? <laughs> no, I just I um was so I have so I, one thing I can give my family. Well, I, I can give more than one thing. That sounds bad, but like there, a lot of people are good at impressions, and sometimes it's like it kind of just you pick it up. So the Eddie Murphy one is one that's in the old repertoire. So that was good. I try, I try. Yeah, that okay. one, that one I can do. Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> So I got that one in in down pretty good. But um no, I I just think that's interesting because like you said, you can look at so many ways in which he intersects with pop culture and you can look at from TV with SNL to his movies to even heck music to his stand up, you know, from like Delirious and Raw. 
it makes me laugh because those are really the specials, the two specials he did. Yet there's so many people who are just casual comedy fans. They're not. I'm like a stand up. I'm a comedy nerd. I love all that stuff. But the casual fan, they don't know any the names of other comedy specials. But with Eddie Murphy, they know Delirious and Raw. Mm-hmm. And it's like red suit, purple suit. And I, I give that so much props. I'm not going to say those are the two greatest comedy specials. I think they're up there. But I think that just shows the impact that he had and those specials even have where people know the names of those. They can't name other specials, but Raw and Delirious, everyone knows those. Yeah, yeah. It's just permeated pop culture in the late 80s, early 90s. I was probably a little too young to be watching Raw and Delirious, but when it came on HBO... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you were sneaking I che- down. I did check him out. Yeah, I would. It was one of those where I'd kind of like turn down the volume and hope my parents didn't couldn't hear me watching uh, the Eddie Murphy specials. But uh, yeah, uh, but yeah, those were classics. And um, you know, I also co-host the uh, Bigger Than the Game podcast where we do like a sports history. And you know, thinking about it, and I'm going to compare him to a sports figure. I I think when it comes to comedy. Eddie Murphy to me, he's Michael Jordan of comedy hmm. because he can do it all. We, you know, we've mentioned stand up, we've mentioned uh, sketch, you know, improv, sketch, like kills it in that, you know, voice work with the movies. You know, he does the voice acting. He can just do it all. He's a song and dance kind of guy. Eddie Murphy can do everything, and I think the way like Michael Jordan, where his peers were like in awe of him while he was playing. To me, that's what Eddie Murphy has, where like other comedians, peers, people after, they're in awe of Eddie, like when they're talking about him. Wow. Yeah, that is a really great point. I never thought about it in those terms, but as a sports analogy, that makes complete sense. And you hear comedians up even starting in the late 80s, early 90s, like Chris Rock cites cites Eddie Murphy. I'm sure Dave Chappelle, I think I've heard him cite Eddie Murphy like uh, as an influence. Like Eddie Murphy influenced this which I think the 90s saw a really big comedy boom, stand-up comedy boom. Absolutely. I should say in particular. And Eddie Murphy was kind of on the ground floor of that. His last special was 87 yeah. or so, like between Ron Delirious it was, but that set the that set the uh, the tempo for what we would see with all these am- amazing comedians to come out in the 90s, whether it was, man, even like uh, – Fast forward, people, a lot of people forget Jamie Foxx was a really good stand-up. Yeah, and had, absolutely. And Martin Lawrence, like you had all these wonderful, and I think Richard Pryor, obviously, before Eddie, but even Richard Pryor had a lot of respect for Eddie. And mm-hmm. Richard and Eddie used to communicate and whatnot yeah. with each other and, and, and bounce stuff off of each other. So, yeah, Eddie was uh, an influence for a lot of people, very engaging on screen, whether it was on SNL, stand-up, movies, he was just a, a fun guy just to watch do his thing. Yeah, he just grabs you. And I, you know, knowing how much we, we both love SNL and you host the, uh, the SNL Hall of Fame podcast. But I remember, you know, one of the coolest events that I saw was the SNL 40th because it was so cool to have all those. You, you don't, SNL is the place to get all those celebrities and those iconic people from all those different backgrounds. You know, the Oscars is just the movies. The Grammys is music. But this, you had great sports figures, music, actors, politicians. You had everybody at the mm-hmm. SNL 40th, Cohen. And it was great buildup for it. The biggest question is, 
We're so excited. Eddie Murphy's finally returning to 30 Rock. And I thought, how just of a megastar of an icon are you? Where all these people, but the thing is, like, we're excited for Eddie to be returning to SNL for the first time in, you know, 30 years. Like, that was the talk. And I'm like, that just shows, like, that megawatt star power that Eddie still has. That was great. He So he appeared at SNL 40 with, was it Chris Rock? Who was on Chris Rock like him? presented him, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then who else? Did Tracy Morgan? No, I think that was, was that the, a different time. That was, that when, was he when he came back to host in okay. 2019, yeah, yeah, yeah. which was awesome yeah. too. Yeah, that was yeah, yeah. Speaking of that, was like a yeah, that was a wonderful episode of SNL. Uh, yeah. yeah, so yeah, I remember the talk when he was returning to SNL because he wasn't. It was a lot of it. They say it stemmed from a David Spade mm-hmm. joke on SNL. Um, there might be a little truth to that. You know, I know he Lauren. He didn't. He wasn't Lauren's guy. He's a Dick Ebersol guy too. So I don't know if that uh, played a factor. But it was just great, great to see him. And it's, in terms of SNL, I think as far as cast members go, I would put Eddie Murphy on my Mount Rushmore. For me, it's Eddie, Will Ferrell, Dana Carvey, and probably Phil Hartman on my Mount Rushmore of SNL cast members. What do you think, Jeremy? I think that's a great list. Um, I think. He's my number one mm-hmm. for some of the reasons you just named. I think, A, he wasn't on with Lauren Michaels, which I always tell people, Lauren, one thing you got to give him, he knows how to build a show. And then when you look at those years that Lauren wasn't there, it was Eddie, a little bit of Joe Piscopo, but Eddie was saving the day. He wouldn't have been in that spot if Lauren was still the producer, I feel. But he was the one really carrying the show, and it was like, hey, it's an hour and a half, Eddie, balls in your court, go. And he would do it, and he Mm -hmm. would just kill it. And also I look at – I remember Chris Rock said this about him at the SNL 40th. A lot of those famous sketches of his, it's one time, the James Brown hot tub. Hot tub, rubber tub in the hot tub, rubber tub in the beat. Second hot tub. Yeah. Willie Mimmer sweat. white like me different things it was a one-time thing and people still remember them and the youth that he had how young he was being 19 as a cast member and that's one thing you know to your point earlier about the boom in the 90s when you saw a comedian pre eddie murphy you didn't see young guys making it they were all older and they had like the jacket and tie and with the patch and everything. And, you know, they had the my wife jokes or blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But to see Eddie Murphy, I don't remember until this day a comedy rock star like the way Eddie Murphy was and is. Like when it comes to that, like there's nobody in the world of comedy to me who just if you think of the 80s, he's up there as far as like, like you know, you have Michael Jackson, Madonna, Prince. Eddie Murphy's like way up there, though, of like. 80s superstar and he was a young comic like it's just amazing yeah what he was able to do at such a young age and at snl gene dumanian was the first producer that eddie worked for on snl and she didn't really push him much maybe because she maybe because he was very young and maybe gene didn't feel like he was 
he, he could handle being being a featured part of the show or whatever. But Dick Ebersol saw something. I mean, it was undeniable. I think Eddie would have made it no matter what. I uh, think so. But just the, yeah, to think that he was so young when he started doing that because I, I was watching, just looking at the movies that 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 I had kind of lined up and I was I was uh, debating on or whatever, and I would just look like so this was released in 1980 whatever. Remind myself how young Eddie was, how old Eddie was during this movie, and it just boggles my mind that right. that, <laughs> that he was just a kid doing all of this and looking so confident and sure of himself, yeah. like. And that's one thing I think it's always great to hear about when people tell those stories about Eddie coming up or Eddie being that young in the movies or on TV. There is a confidence with him. And you don't hear you hear you don't hear a cocky, but he knew he had the stuff. He knew he was going to be the man and it was just like how however if you just you're going to be in his way, you better get out the way cuz Eddie's going to make it no matter what. And you kind of see that in these performances. It's like Wow, like this guy was that young and he's dominating the screen like that? Unbelievable. Yeah, it's just charisma. There's something to be said for somebody that confident, but who's right about it. Yes. <laughs> Who can yes. back it up. Right. And right. that's what I don't mind. If you're very confident, bordering on cocky, but you can back it up and you do have the goods, then more power to you. I think. Absolutely. So this is uh this is gonna be interesting because it's, you know, five essential Eddie Murphy movies and you know, and we'll get into it throughout when we're giving our picks, but I'm curious, like always, but for this one especially, to see what your philosophy was going into picking your essential list because, uh, you know, a lot of people, I think the thing on Eddie was the 80s were great, then the 90s he kind of fell off and into the 2000s, and then he's kind of had a little bit of a, renaissance these past few years mm-hmm. and don't get me wrong in the 90s and 2000 did he have some dud movies absolutely not gonna i love eddie but you gotta call it straight here on pop yeah. culture five he did but i don't think in my opinion it was as big of a dud as people like to believe thomas no there was a quiet stretch i mean when you're coming off of the run that he had from basically 82 to 88 89 even even 90 when you're coming off of that kind of run of course you know if you have mid-tier movies after that it's gonna look like you just kind of fell off the face of the earth but yeah no there there was maybe a little stretch where it wasn't the the caliber i guess that we were used to but I, i mean going from his peak you can only go down for at a certain point, right? Absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> you know. So, so I think I think it is a little overblown. And there's definitely like when I'm looking at his filmography, there's definite you can see like the the, the chart like rising, and then maybe falling a little bit, and then there's another semi peak, and then maybe so so there is that sort of peaks and valleys of Eddie's career. But I mean, the talent always shines through with Eddie and the charisma and. Just the so captivating on screen, and even if he releases a piece of crap, <laughs> he's still pretty fun to watch. Absolutely, that. absolutely, for sure, I agree. And so I'm ready to get into the list if you are, Thomas. Yep. Yes, sir. So since I'm the host this week, I'll get three of the five to pick, but Thomas will get two, but he gets the veto power. <laughs> so if there's one that he disagrees with, he can veto, and then I have to kind of go back. And give another one. So, uh, so far in the show's young history, 
only one veto has been used. I used it on, you know, Spike Lee movies. So I'm I'm still waiting for it could be today, that first time that Thomas uses his veto on me. Yeah, I'm waiting for it too. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just so reason. good. I'm just so good. My picks are so good, Thomas. I can't oh, man. I can't help it, man. All it's right, just that hard. Bruce is gonna catch up to you. <laughs> All right. So I'm ready to get started here for the first one. And when I look at Essential, and I think of Essential Eddie Murphy, and it's not best, it's my favorite. I always like to say that for people. I want something that shows his talents, the talents that we've just been talking about, and that anyone who, if you were around in the 80s to now, whatever, you've seen, you get to see it. So I'm going to go with this movie from 1988. There was a sequel that came on a couple years ago, but that was there. But the original is just comedic genius and comedic gold. I'm going to Samunda, and I'm going to Coming to America. Yeah, I met Dr. Martin Luther King in 1962 in Memphis, Tennessee. I walked down the street, minding my own business, just walking off, feeling good. I walked around the corner, man woke up, hit me in my chest, right? I fall on the ground, right? And I look up at Dr. Martin Luther King, I said, Dr. King. He said, oops, I thought you were somebody else. Oh, man, you lying. You ain't never met Martin Luther King. Knocked the wind out of me. Yes, he did. No, it didn't. Yes, he did. That is my first choice, Thomas, for essential Eddie Murphy movies. I think this movie is just phenomenal with him and Arsenio. The cast is great. So many great, you know, from James Earl Jones, John Amos. You get He helps out, you know, young Louis Anderson, RIP, gets his break in this. Young Samuel L. Jackson gets a break in this. There's just, you know... Eric LaSalle is in it. It's a deep cast, but, you know, with that soul glow, you know what Just I'm saying? Just let your soul glow, feeling oh, oh so silky smooth. Look at that. Okay, Thomas, Just I see Just let you. it shine through. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> My voice almost cracked. But you, did, you nailed it. I'm impressed. I'm impressed. That's that good, used to be man. my ringtone. Yeah, Back I when know when ringtones were a thing, mm-hmm. I had the soul glow theme as my ringtone. I know a few people who had that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's a great ringtone, though. Very, very great. That's great. Just Just let it shine through. Just let But it's just, I think, even the little things like McDowell's instead of McDonald's. But you got to look to the barbershop scene and where Eddie is playing all those different characters. He's playing Saul. He's playing, you know, the, the Jewish barbershop customer. He's playing Clarence, the owner. You know, even when he's, you know, at the talent show where he's Randy Watson, the leader, sexual chocolate, you know. <laughs> it feels so lovely to be here tonight. What a beautiful art. Give yourselves a round of applause. You're so lovely. Everyone's so lovely. And um, while you're in the clapping mood, I'd like to give a big round of applause to my band, Sexual Chocolate. Sexual Chocolate. They play so fine, don't you agree? I believe the children are our future. Thank you. Teach them well and let them lead the way. Show them all the beauty they possess inside. Give them a sense of pride. Make it easier. And you got to give it to Arsenio as well, where he, he plays the reverend. 
he plays, you know, Morris, like one of the other barbers too. So Arsenio should get props for what he was able to do in, in being these different characters, but just the range that Eddie had to do in this. And I think one of the things that always got me was seeing people watch it for the first time and go to the end credits. And then you get to see Eddie Murphy and then you're seeing all these different people and people were like, Eddie played those guys. And to me, that's, something that I always love. Like you have no idea that that's Eddie unless you're like someone like us who's seen it a million times. But I promise you, if you've never seen it before, you're thinking these are other actors and that's how good he is. And I think the movie's just great. It holds up now. Historically, it has a great legacy because of what it did, you know, an all majority black cast and being one of the, I think it was second or third highest grossing movies of 1988. So I think you got to just give so much props to it. So I'm number one pick for me is coming to America. Well, simply put, I think this is one of the greatest comedies of all time. Yeah, honestly, it's one of my all time favorite movies out of any genre. I I just absolutely love this movie for a lot of the reasons you mentioned. uh, It was a big deal at the time for Eddie to play multiple characters. Like before that, really Peter, that was like Peter Sellers mm-hmm. domain. We saw that like in Dr. Strangelove and a lot of other Peter Sellers stuff, but a lot of actors didn't necessarily try to do that and how Eddie did it and Arsenio. You're right. We have to give Arsenio credit. He played multiple characters in this too, but that was a real big deal at the time. That was a novelty <laughs> to right. see somebody on screen play multiple characters like that. And just classic, classic scenes, classic comedic scenes. You mentioned the barbershop. That's perfect. Like a yeah, I ain't saying clean bad. I'm just saying I stopped liking Cash Clean. Once you change the name to Muhammad Ali. What kind of shit is that? Wait a second. Wait a second. A man has the right to change his name to whatever he wants to change it to. And if a man wants to be called Muhammad Ali, God damn it, this is a free country. You should respect his wishes and call the man Muhammad Ali. His mama named him Clee. I'm going to call him Clee. Mm-hmm. That's right. I say Clee. Get out of here. <laughs> That's right. That's right. He going to always be Clee to me. I don't give a fuck what chain name to. He is Clee. He Clee to me. I say Clee. Well, then you're a punch. Somebody brings up uh, Rocky Marciano. It's like, oh, there they go. Yeah. Every time, every time we come, we talk about boxing. Somebody's got to bring up Rocky Marciano. Mm-hmm. He whooped Joe Lewis's ass. Like, yeah. just the whole, just the whole, like back and forth. Like, I could quote the barbershop scene so much. We just saw Cuba Gooding Jr. in there laughing, getting yeah. a, getting a haircut of young Cuba Gooding Jr. Right. The sexual chocolate at at the church, like. Sometimes I've I've caught myself kind of saying like and and I've have been in a in a circumstance where this made sense like we we uh, we'll take the the kind that jingles but we prefer the kind that folds mm-hmm. and like with, yep. as far as the donations goes mm-hmm. like I just love this uh, the when they were meeting the women at the club oh and that that was classic those two those two girls that were like beatboxing and rapping mm-hmm. the one who practices witchcraft like just all these scenes that are just burned into my mind and I'll probably a lot of comedy and movie fans minds like this is such a, this is a great, this is number one on, on my board. As okay, well. Yeah. 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 I would have been surprised if you picked anything else. I was coming in prepared for, for you to pick this first. And this is honestly like just looking at the movies he had done prior to this. I think this is the first movie in which Eddie doesn't have to be cooler than everyone else on screen. And yeah. I don't mean that as a negative or a put down on Eddie, but you watch his other movies before coming to America and he carried himself throughout these movies like he was 
cooler than everybody else on screen. He would right. talk down to a lot of people for com- for comedic sake, and it worked. But this one, I think he was a little more vulnerable, a little more soft-spoken, more low-key. He didn't have to be the coolest person in the room and on screen. And this was a little bit of a departure in that sense from his earlier work pre-1988. And I that's agree. what really strikes me as far as thinking about this movie, too. Um, this is... I absolutely love this movie, Darren. No, I, and I agree. I think you're right on that point where he didn't have to be like the hip, cool, you know, megastar that Eddie Murphy had been throughout the decade. And the performances that he's doing, you know, with the prosthetics and, and, you know, as these other characters, but him just being Prince Akeem. I think he, like you say, like he played that very subtle. It was very believable. It wasn't over the top. And I think he nailed that as well. So, yeah, I I do think this is the, I mean, he can still, he still is making movies. So we, mm-hmm. I think this is the crown jewel. Like his best movie is coming to America, yeah. in my opinion. I agree. I was trying to think of other things to start, but I'm like, would I be true to myself, to you, to the listeners? Mm-hmm. If I wasn't like, I got to, if I had the number one pick right now to start it off, I got to go coming to America. So I'm intrigued with your, with your first choice. All right. Yes. So we're to me get my first choice. This is our second choice as far as uh, essential Eddie Murphy movies go. I'm going to go with something that's that's it's not my second favorite Eddie Murphy movie, but I think there's less overlap with coming to America with this movie than another one of my choices. So I'm going to go with one that doesn't have as much overlap. That's really uh, basically the ground floor of a genre of the buddy cop genre. And it's Eddie's first movie, which was released in 82. I'm going to go with 48 Hours. Yo, Kate. Yeah? I can help you get Gans, but you got to get me out of here first. You're crazy. I'm serious. I can help you get him, but I got to be on the street. What's the big deal being on the street? Let's just say I got a lot to protect, all right? I want Gans as bad as you. Neither one of us ain't got no time. Bullshit. But that's serious shit. You want Gans? Get me out of here. I rewatched this in the past few days just to make sure um, that as we do, you know, going into uh, our movie episodes, I'll, if I have the time, I'll rewatch certain movies just to make sure. And I did rewatch 48 hours. A lot of buddy cop movies that we saw after 48 hours were kind of copying 48 hours. I think it's a really engaging story. It's the, they set up the plot cleanly, like, like it's in the it's in the title of the movie forty eight hours so so yeah so Eddie plays somebody who's in jail Nick Nolte plays a cop who pulls Eddie out of jail to help him catch somebody one of Eddie's former buddies on the crime scene or uh, whatever um, and yeah so that's basically the plot they have forty eight hours until Eddie has to go back in jail to to catch these guys so the plot's really clean it's a really engaging story Eddie came off honestly maybe a little less sure of himself because it was his first movie so on screen he was still had that eddie charm but in a way you could still see younger eddie that was still like trying to find his way in the movie he wasn't like and he did command the room there's that scene famous scene in the redneck bar which is one of his first very memorable scene in a movie i classic yeah he holds court like no other say one more time okay this is a police matter, and I'm looking for an Indian named Billy Bear. I know everybody in here wants to cooperate with me. Hey, that's not even necessary, all right, man? I got the situation at hand. 
Some of those citizens are behind you all the way, officer. That's kind of him breaking out of his shell, I think. But you can still kind of see him filling out like what his persona is as far as like being a comedic actor and everything. Eddie adds life to this movie. He wasn't in the movie probably for the first 20 or 30 minutes. Right. <laughs> but then once he gets in the movie, he injected uh, a lot of life into the movie. The movie was already like pretty, a pretty good kind of little cop comedy or whatever. And Eddie just sort of took it to a whole new level. So I forgot that I liked 48 hours as much as I did. Very 80s. The, like the, the look and feel. It's a very grimy looking movie. It's a very 80s movie in a lot of regards, but I think that adds to a lot of charm with it. So um, 48 Hours is my choice, Jeremy. No, I think um, I was trying to like see if but, like, I, you have to, I was trying to think if for myself, can you say 48? Because it's his first, and you're right, it did do the buddy cop genre started that, so it's important. And I'm like, can you do Essential and not put that on there? And I'm like, I was trying to see. I'm like, no, you got to put it on there because you're right. And I'll be honest with you. You know, it came out in 82. It is, it's an 80s movie, but I kind of feel like it's the early 80s. It looks different than what, like, it does. 80s other, like, what the future 80s movies were. They're it almost like looks bright. like the French Connection or something yes, like that. Like, it's kind of gritty. In yeah, it's like looked. a 70s kind of, like, it has yep. that feel. I know Walter mm-hmm. Hill's the director, and, you know, he did some, and he kind of filmed movies like that. But I loved it. It has, like, a gritty, and, you know, it's a good movie, like you said, before Eddie's in it. And it's intense, you know, like Nick Nolte's intense. And then it's like, but man, Eddie just comes in there and it's hard to find a better like acting debut than what Eddie Murphy did in 48 Hours. Like he just yeah. kills it. And you, like you said, the scene at the Redneck Bar, honestly, what this movie does and what it represents, I think some people don't even think about it, but about race and how relevant it was then and still now. And how we see that. And there's certain scenes that kind of really just depict it in such a great way. It's like not subtle, but subtle at the same time, if that makes sense. Like, yeah. you know, there are scenes about there's their racial things being said. But if you have to, like, really pay attention to see, like, what they're representing and what they're saying. Yeah. Nick Nolte's an unabashed, like, racist cop. Right. So right. he's just straight up. is, is and, and and most of the, a lot of the police force, like, most of the people in that force... Uh, in in the San Francisco Police Department that was depicted in 48 Hours are racist. Mm-hmm. And there's there's certain scenes that kind of show what the you know when you talk about police brutality and the mindset and you know when that scene where he catches up with him at the end and he Nick Nolte you know Jack his character eh, you know when I say those those words and he said those racial words mm-hmm. I was just doing the job you know keeping you down and he you know Eddie was like yeah there's some things that don't you know, you can't explain for that. And then Nick Nolte's like, yeah. And they kind of just leave it there. And that's what it really is. That's what happens when you go mm-hmm. and speaking. And, you know, I speak from experience. Some things that you can't explain it. You can't, you want to apologize. And it's like, but no, nah, it's deeper than that. And like, they both kind of like, they weren't like, we're best friends now. They kind of just sat there like, yeah. And it's that kind of mindset. And I think that's one thing why you got to put it on there because it just hits on so many levels besides just being Eddie's first movie. It starts a genre, like you said, and it's such like a deep, important movie and people want to kind of sweep it under the rug because it has those uncomfortable things. But I think, no, it needs to be talked about. It needs to be seen more because it's still relevant. Yeah. Even in the, in the bar, everybody in the bar just 
looked down on him to put it kindly mm-hmm. uh, but then he flipped it and and identified himself as a cop even though he wasn't but that made people go like oh this black guy's a cop mm-hmm. what the heck so he kind of turned that on its face and as a tactic because he's very smart he's very guile and cunning and smart in this movie and he used that as a tactic and it's cool to see nick nolte watched him do it and then went along with it because mm-hmm. he knew that that was the right play in that situation uh, so that those were interesting dynamics right there. The odd couple dynamic between Nick Nolte and Eddie Murphy was really interesting as well. Even though Nick Nolte was was this grumpy cop who who didn't really treat his he wasn't there for his girlfriend throughout right. the movie. Annette O'Toole, mm-hmm. uh, he uh, he was racist, um, but he and Eddie sort of came to a to a weird understanding at the end i didn't didn't strike me that they were gonna be i and honestly i don't rem, i think if i've seen another 48 hours i don't really remember it so i couldn't tell you like what's canon as far as their friendship goes i saw it so okay. i to see that yeah it's yeah but I, it didn't strike me my takeaway at the end of the 48 hours wasn't like these guys are going to be best friends Maybe I'm wrong on that. Maybe another 48 hours made them best friends. But that wasn't really my take from their dynamic in right. 48 hours. Which I like. I like that it's not. And another four, it came out much later. But uh, Yeah, like eight years later or yeah, something. Was it 1990 yeah. or something like Something that? like that. Yeah, they're going after the Iceman. I think 48 hours is just it's a great one. And low-key, side note, the score, since you've rewatched it recently, the score in 48 hours, low key, one of the best scores I've heard in a movie. Like it just yeah. has a good, like, like the soundtrack, the music to it. 48 hours is, I, yeah, I think one of the best movies of the eighties, like in any genre, it's, it's that great. That's why I picked it. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right. So, okay. So now I'm going to veer off a little bit, but actually, no, I'm not. It, it makes for some people, but I'm going to go to the mid nineties. And it's in the same ilk as coming to America. But I'm going with the Nutty Professor. Hey, 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 hey. What's wrong with you? You supposed to eat that thing, not scalp it. Well, Daddy, all the uh, calories in the chicken are found in the skin and in the fat, so I peel That's what you're talking about. That's where all the fats and calories is. You know where that come from? Watching that damn TV. Every time you turn it on, they got somebody in there talking about lose weight, get healthy, get in shape. Got everybody looking all anorexic, talking about that's healthy. I know what healthy is. And tell you something else. I don't know why everybody trying to lose weight in the first place. Ain't everybody supposed to be the same size. We're supposed to be all different. Big, small. Did I, Thomas, for my birthday party, my birthday that year, go <laughs> and have friends? My dad took me and my friends and my brother and my cousins to go see the Nutty Professors that you know opening weekend. That may be true. That may have happened. I'm not saying it did or didn't, but maybe, yeah, that might have happened. And I cracked up so hard in the theater, maybe. But besides the personal connection to it, I think... Similar to what he did in Coming to America, but I won't. Now, Nutty Professor is not better than Coming to America as a movie, but I think his performance of playing multiple different characters, I think he does even better in Nutty Professor than he does in Coming to America. Because when he's playing, you know, Sherman Clump, and when he has Jada Pickett Smith, her character, come over for dinner, and that dinner table scene where Eddie's playing both the parents. He's playing Sherman, the brother, the grandma, and the jokes that are just flying left and right. Did y'all have relations? Ain't nothing wrong with having relations. Don't be ashamed of that. Relations is beautiful. When I was young, I used to always have relations. Every night, if a nice gentleman bring me flowers and candy, take me to a movie, show me a lovely evening, then I would take him home and 
give him hot, lovely relations. The relations are a beautiful thing. It's nothing to be ashamed of. I just think it's the funniest thing. And then even him being Buddy Love in that contrast and, you know, the scene with uh, Dave Chappelle playing, you know, Reggie, the stand-up comic, and Reggie roasted Sherman and you felt bad for him. But then they come back to the same nightclub and now Sherman is Buddy Love and Eddie's out there and Eddie starts giving it right back to him and then really like flipping the table. That whole dynamic between, uh, you know, Eddie and Dave Chappelle, two comedy legends, two goats in my mind, just doing doing their best right there. So I just feel like the way Nutty Perfect, and I want to put that out there because like I said, I don't think Eddie's trajectory film-wise in the 90s and later on is as bad as people think it is. And that's why I want to put this movie out there because this movie came out in the mid-90s and already at that point people were saying Eddie's done or why doesn't he do what he did in the 80s, yada, 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 all those things. But to me, he showed right there. And that was a big hit too, critically and box office-wise, that Eddie still had a fastball and people kind of overlooked like Eddie was still putting out great stuff too. Jeremy, I I rewatched this movie actually uh, okay. in the in the last week. Yeah, and while I don't think it's a great movie, Eddie's really great in it. And so I think in terms of essential Eddie Murphy movies, I think it does belong. And even more so, one of the things that I that I went back to was when this movie came out and to put it in context of 1996 when it came out. So he had had a string. So after coming to America, varying degrees of, I guess, critical acclaim and, you know, box office acclaim. So like Harlem Nights, you had another 48 hours, Boomerang, Beverly Hills Cop 3, which was pretty maligned. I remember Vampire in Brooklyn. So he wasn't on like a classic Eddie hot streak necessarily leading up to The Nutty Professor. But from what I remember, I was 14 when The Nutty Professor came out. I saw it in theaters. From what I remember, you're right. The talk coming in was that Eddie had lost his fastball, but I think people watched The Nutty Professor and saw that Eddie still had it. Yes. And he was just an amazing performer. The whole the whole the, the famous dinner scene with the, with the clumps is like I rewatched it like I said in the past week and that scene has still had me rolling. You know what your problem is? It don't work out. Got exercise. Look at me. That's all mother. Oh, you fat. I'm every character that Eddie played and every line that was uttered was just hilarious. I think it put Eddie back on the map. I think people started taking him more seriously again mm-hmm. as far as having comedy chops and everything. And truthfully, I I don't really love the movie as as a whole, but I love the movie as an Eddie Murphy vehicle. If yeah. if if that makes sense, so I, get, I, I think it's yeah. an important Eddie Murphy movie. Yes, I get what you and I. I think, like I said, I I would never say it's as good as as a movie like the Coming to America or a Forty Eight Hours. But I think his performance is I I like it. I don't love Money Professor, but I like the first one. I do like it a lot, and I think there's just it's those scenes. And I think sometimes that happens in a movie where is it the greatest, like well-written polished script or anything? No, but when you have some great actors in it, they can just, Hey, we get out the way and let you do your work. And I think you see that with Eddie, you see that with Dave Chappelle and his scenes, you know, um, 
I remember Chappelle on Inside the Actor Studio telling the story about when they're rehearsing and Eddie's, you know, made up as Sherman Clump and they just let Chappelle just start riffing jokes and he said a joke and he said Eddie squirted like water out his nose laughing so hard he had to like <laughs> cut it and I thought that was just cool but that it kind of you even before I knew that you could tell like they were just riffing and they were just letting it fly and yeah. you just let the camera go and let these two greats do it and and I think that dinner scene is like that Jada Pickett's just sitting there really reacting you're letting Eddie just do his work and it's just get out the way and that's it's classic him the dave chappelle stuff in particular is kind of a meme it's kind of a thing to this day the women be shopping what's up yeah. 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 What's up? Yeah. women be shopping baby yeah. women be shopping you can't stop a woman from shopping baby that's true women do shop <laughs> People still reference that to this no, day. Absolutely. That's a whole Twitter thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, is women be shopping? Like that's a big <laughs> so, thing. Yeah, so that's kind of a, we used to say Hercules, Hercules all the time uh, with the clapping like the like the mom clapped mm-hmm. in the movie. So there's just, there's stuff there's like comedic elements and things that still came out of the Nutty Professor that that still uh, resonate. And absolutely. Sherman was a character too that. To me, he was a sympathetic character, and you didn't always see that with with Eddie Murphy movies. I think um, uh, Coming to America, you saw that side of Eddie, um, but he was always, uh, for the most part, he had he was a lot of times he was like this more suave guy on screen, and so so seeing him as as Sherman, you saw a more vulnerable kind of aspect well, and of, I of think, Eddie. Yeah, you're right. Where even with like the Prince Akeem and Coming to America, he is like vulnerable and sensitive but he's still like he's a, he's a prince so you in the back of your mind you know he's still like privileged and he's the prince and he's you know going to be the future king of Zamunda where and even in, in Nutty Professor what I like is it's sad that that you know society still has that but because he's you know overweight it's like he's a nice guy but you know people look down on him he gets made fun of he's not comfortable in his own mm-hmm. skin so it's a different where not only is Eddie vulnerable, but you feel sorry for him. You feel sorry for a character that Eddie plays. Like, you feel bad. Like, when Chappelle's ripping him, the jokes are, like, funny, but then, you know, when they pan over and Sherman's just, like, have that sad look, and, like, you just you just want to reach out and hug him. Like, and Eddie played that to a T. Like, Sherman's that guy. Everyone loves Sherman. He's a great guy, a nice, sweet guy, but you just know, like, People make fun of him. People look down on him because he is overweight, and that's a shame. So I give Eddie credit for that. For like, I felt bad for him. Yeah, I like Eddie showing that dimension of his acting ability. Absolutely, absolutely. So okay, we we made it. Night professor. I wasn't sure that was going to make it or not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, it does. It was one of those that I had on my list, and I did rewatch it. Okay, it's available on a platform for free that I saw. So I was like, <laughs> "Yeah, I'm gonna, I'll put it the Nutty Professor on because yeah. I'm actually man considering it." So yeah, so yeah, so so that one skates by. Okay, all right. So I'm interested to hear your second choice. All right, I'm a little. <laughs> this is gonna be fun. Um, I'm a little scared because <laughs> it's not like I don't want to feel pressure on this show to go chalk, and yeah. we've talked about that. And you could very easily look at Eddie's filmography and figure out ways to go chalk, right? Absolutely. But I don't want to do that because Eddie, Eddie has a movie that I think is essential 
and I I rewatched. It's one of like the three Eddie movies that I did rewatch for this. Mm-hmm. And after the rewatch, I'm like, damn, I want to talk about this because I think it's an essential Eddie Murphy movie. Okay. And I think it's his Nolan Ryan movie, if that makes sense to you, because Nolan yeah. Ryan was like an old was 46. He was an older pitcher who still had a fastball right. in the major leagues. So what I'm about to bring up, some people might throw tomatoes at me, but it's a, I think it's a great movie, and it's older Eddie throwing his fastball. Are you ready? I'm ready. Dolomite is my name. Man, we all had shitty childhoods, but that don't mean you can just will yourself into being a movie star. Well, why not, Tony? Should I will myself into being a comedian? I will myself into being a singer? I even made my own album in my goddamn living room. How come I can't be in the movies? I want the world to know I exist. Wow, okay. Yes. So, this came out in 2019. Eddie plays Rudy Ray Moore, who made, he was a comedian in the 70s, a musician slash comedian. He made the Dolomite movie that became popular. Devine Joey Randolph, Wesley Snipes, Keegan-Michael Key are in this movie. It really did show me that Eddie still has it later in his career. And to me, we were talking about Eddie playing like somebody with heart and somebody who's vulnerable. And that's how he played Rudy Ray Moore. So this was like facets of Eddie's acting that we saw. He was very funny. He was quick-witted, sharp-tongued Eddie in this movie. But he also played Rudy Ray Moore very in, in some very subtle notes, honestly, that was like you wouldn't expect that from a from a Dolomite, essentially, like how, uh, how it's made movie about Dolomite, which was which was a goofy exploitation movie from the 70s. You wouldn't expect Eddie to play Rudy Ray Moore with heart and vulnerability, but that's exactly what he did. I mean, he could have mocked, like this could have been a movie that mocked Dolomite and mocked Rudy Ray Moore, but it really could have gone that route, but it didn't. It was more of a love letter to him it was hilarious and they did poke fun because dolomite's a goofy movie like how can you not kind of poke fun at it a little bit but there was just so much heart in this movie it's about family like the people who made dolomite like that whole rudy ray moore circle it was one big family Mm -hmm. and that was really touching by the end and this hilarious movie i actually think it's a better movie than some of the ones that we could have gone chalk on to be honest with you i watched it again like i said just to confirm my interest in wanting to talk about this movie and uh yeah dolomite is my name i think it's an essential eddie murphy movie i think a lot of people think eddie murphy is easy to go chalk on and i kind of understand that but i i disagree and this was one even if it didn't make the list i was going to ask you about for like you know honorable mention i think this definitely was a hell of a movie like it was something like this. It was kind of like I don't. It was that resurgence where I feel like you know, 2019, Dolomite comes out. He's hosting SNL for the first time in 35 years at that point. So mm-hmm. he's he's working like the talk show. You know, he's on the Tonight Show. He's on Jimmy Kimmel, and he's telling these stories, these Prince stories, or these old SNL stories. And it was like, Eddie, this is what we wanted from you for the past like ten, fifteen years. We wanted like to do new stuff, different stuff, but still that shows you. And we want to. I know you try to move past it, but you are such a fascinating guy. We want to hear it, and I feel like this 
brought it out of him, this movie. And I agree with you. He still had a fastball. Everybody does a great job in this. You know, Wesley Snipes, I think, is great in this. Like, it gets the feel because I can be honest, I'm someone who, in our age range, is different where I knew who Rudy Ray Moore was as a kid because back in the, you know, the Napster days, me and my brother would have a Napster, but like my dad would hop on and one of the first things he got was Rudy Ray Moore, like his comedy bits. So Rudy Ray Moore would get on stage and, you know, be this Dolomite character and do these bits. And it was like this alter ego. It was funny. And I think the message of it, you know, hey, you know, we're doing this podcast. We're creating something. And I think that's what I loved about it was Dolomite kept, even though it was corny, the movies didn't look great. It was his vision. It was his dream. And you weren't going to tell him that he wasn't going to, go live out his dream and go do this. Mm-hmm. And in his mind, it was going. To, it was a great movie. And whether it was or what, you know, is or isn't, that's a different story. But I love that message. And I think Eddie portrayed that great. And I love what you said where everyone kind of believed in the dream and he had his own little family there. And I think this definitely, it's surprisingly, but I think it works on it. It works because it's classic Eddie. Yeah, and it didn't permeate pop culture nearly as much as some of his other movies, but not because of the quality, Jeremy. Right. If this if this movie was made in the eighties, I think it would have it would be seen as a one of his classics alongside mm-hmm. some of the other ones that people talk about. But right nowadays, twenty nineteen this came out. So viewership's more splintered just in general, especially with comedies. So it's harder to release a comedy and have it permeate culture like it would in the eighties when it was more of like monoculture as a lot of people say so it's not because of the quality it's just because of when it was released that dolomite is my name didn't like break into the pop culture ether like some of his other ones like coming to america or some other ones but just quality wise and showing that eddie still has it late in his career and that the dynamic between uh that was depicted on screen between rudy and lady reed just brings the movie together for me. There's a really great scene where he basically like sees her at the bar. He sees her like punching this dude when he's doing a gig at a bar and he talks to her afterward. And you can tell he's like trying to instill confidence in her. No, I'm serious. Maybe you should be on stage like me. Sweet Jesus. I mean, I can uh, make my son laugh. <laughs> but what, what would I do? I'm not really no pimp. I ain't got no stable of hoes. I just created a character. I do it all the time. I've been Prince Dumas. I've been the Harlem Hillbilly. And tonight... Because she has a tough exterior, but she's not confident that she can do this. She could be an entertainer or whatever. But, and, and Rudy Ray Moore is telling her, like, no. Like, she's like, pull on, pull on this. Pull on, and she, and pull on my hair. It's like, yeah, that's a wig. I'm playing a character. You can play a character. Like, we can do this. Like, so just seeing that, like, introducing somebody into their family like that... It's just this movie has a lot of heart and it's hilarious. And I think it got slept on a little bit in 2019. Yeah. And I I think you're absolutely right. I think Eddie should have. I remember at the time people were saying it was a little bit of talk about should Eddie get like award buzz Mm. for what he did. And he he did it. And I think that's disappointing. I think um, one of those things that people don't talk about is what Eddie did as far as the careers he helped along the way, he did both. He helped, he brought up younger guys, but also he pays homage to those who he respects. And, you know, you have a Harlem Knights. He's got Red Fox in there, Richard Pryor, Della Reese, 
Robin Hare, all these comedians who like he looks up to and respects, and in doing this, people Dolomite isn't. He could have done a lot of people if he did. Uh, a, I know Chadwick Boseman did it, but a, a James Brown movie. Oh yeah, Eddie did the James Brown, and he can do that. And James Brown's a big guy, big pop culture figure. Rudy Ray Moore is not. People don't know that. That was really, really like. Even when you think of like black exploitation, you don't think of Dolomite. Like that's not one of the first things you think of. Yeah, it's like Pam, Pam Greer, Shaft, R.I.P. Richard Roundtree. You Richard, know, yeah, yeah, it's exactly, yeah, yeah. So like you think of those things, you don't think of this, but the fact that he this influenced him and he wanted to give back and do this performance, I think is just unbelievable and shows Eddie's character, in my opinion. Yeah, so maybe more people might be on board with this as an essential Eddie Murphy than I even realize. I think, and I, and I, it's a question I I want to ask you when we're we're done the mm-hmm. list, but it's like the approach to it. So if I think if you go chalk, I understand that, but I think when it comes to what makes Eddie so funny and so iconic, I think chalk's the wrong way to go. If Agreed. that makes sense. Yeah, and that makes complete sense. I definitely agree. And and when we do this, especially with somebody like Eddie, there's more than five essentials. So it's just a matter of what we want to pick and what we want to put forth out and discuss and everything. So there are more than five essentials. Something that's not going to be on this list is probably still an essential Eddie Murphy, to right. be clear. So, Right, absolutely. So, I, hey, I, I, I understand. I appreciate why nerves, but um, I, I think <laughs> Dolomite, I thought you might go a different way. And I was okay. like, oh, I don't know. I think it's a really good choice, man. So I like it. So we have uh, Coming to America, 48 Hours, Dunny Professor, Dolomite is my name. So uh, I'm giving my third, and this is the fifth one here. So I'm wondering, I'm kind of feeling what you just felt, Thomas. <laughs> um, so I, this is a movie that I think, it goes back to what I was saying, that you can see Eddie, and he had a Pluto Nash and a Norbit. In Doctor Doolittle, he had duds. I'm not going to take away, but what great actor or actress hasn't had? If you've acted long enough, you're going to have duds. Like that's just the way it is, right? But in this time, he still had great movies, and to me, I think his best performances, like Nunny Professor, Dolomite is my name, is really recent. But I'm going to go with one that is it personal? Yeah, I do. But I think this was just an unbelievable film. And I think it's become a cult classic. I'm going with life. Say something about the watch, Claude. Bring up the watch. In fact, just bring up watch. Ray. Look like you fixing to make your mouth Ray, up to I'm, say watch. If I see you, I'm going to whip your ass. Ray, Ray. In fact, don't even say watch no more. You can't say watch around me. Say little clock or some shit. You say watch, I'm going to just dive on you. Ray, how are we supposed to get home without any money? I'm going wow. Eddie Murphy, Martin Lawrence. The cast is unbelievable. You have the late, great Bernie Mac. You got Anthony Anderson. You got Guy Tory. There's so many people in this movie. Ned Beatty's in it movie in this movie, but I think what Eddie was able to do in this film, playing Ray Gibson and him working alongside with Martin and Mar- Martin Lawrence, and it's a Martin that's a little more mature, not the Martin from the TV show, but Martin played the subtle character. But Eddie being Ray Gibson and being this kind of hustler and this small town small time thief, and then getting caught up, so you know, and having to do life for a crime that they didn't commit. The way that him, Martin, so many of these characters, but especially these two, went from comedic chops to instant serious, instant kind of 
You felt the heart in this movie. It's just unbelievable. I mean, the scenes, talk about great scenes, you know, the boom, boom room, you know, got that you know, classic scene, you know, or, you know, the gun line boss, or, you know, I'm that baby's daddy. And then Bernie Mac, I'm the pappy, jangalang, jangalang, like just so many great lines in this film. And I think what it teaches about friendship, I mean, the scene where they finally, 40 years, Thomas, after, you know, they did, they're in jail for a crime that they didn't commit. And the sheriff who framed them, and they see him 40 years later, and the way Eddie has that scene where he takes the gun from him, the sheriff, and he's got him on the ground, that acting and that intensity. Give me the gun. Come on now, give me the gun. Cody got my dad's watch. He killed Winston Hancock. Don't listen to him, Watkins. He's crazy. Gibson, I want you to stop now. Think about what you're saying. I know just what I'm saying. That black old thing my dad ever gave me, and he got it. Tell him what you did. Is there any truth in what this man is saying? Just unbelievable, man. And the thing that triggers him is that he has his daddy's watch. The watch that meant so much to Eddie, you know, Ray Gibson, his character, and the sheriff. They're like, is that him? And then the fact that he pulls out that watch, Eddie couldn't. And I think that acting is just so deep and so unbelievable. I think life has to, it, for me, it has to be on the list. All right. Uh, this is, I got to be honest with you. I think I saw this movie around when it came out, and I think I was half asleep when I saw it. I don't really remember it, to be honest with you. But if I veto it, I don't know if that would be fair if I don't have a like a clear recollection of the movie, and then I decide to veto it. But I am curious to maybe what you what else you might have in your back pocket at the I same mean, time. I mean, I definitely... So this is a tough one for me because because I because I'm I'm basically pleading ignorance on this. Yeah. Of course, I've heard of it. When you said life, I was like, oh, he did that. That's the one he did with Martin Lawrence. And I think I saw it. So I remember when it came out, and I had wanted to see it, but that but I don't really remember it. So, so I I can hear you on that. I can hear you if you want me to go to a different. But is that fair of me to 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 make you? go reach for something else if I have to plead ignorance on this? Or do I trust my co-host <laughs> or <laughs> that or, this is an essential Eddie Murphy movie? I, I know it's hard, but like, if you want to like take a little bit, if you want to get a little... I know it's going to be hard to watch a whole movie right now, but if you wanted to do a little, like, some scenes, some things, and, you know... I'm going to... Jeremy, I want to find out what else you have in your back pocket. No so offense to life, no offense to... To you, and this is probably okay. reflects more on me no, than, no, no. than this choice, but I'm going to go, it's a selfish thing. I'm going to have to veto my, exercise my first veto and see what else we have for a, and this is a very, I respect the interesting choice, to be honest with you, but uh, I guess I'm vetoing just for purely selfish reasons. No problem. No problem. I understand. <laughs> and just to get, maybe get the first veto out of the way for yes. me. Been yes. Been sitting on I'm it glad. for a while. I'm okay. glad. <laughs> I'm glad. Uh, it, it's, it's a tough one because I do, I think, I, I throw this challenge to you. If you have time between this, even so with our next episode, okay. in the beginning, if you were like, I want you to watch life and, and say like, Veto good. If you say like I'm glad I vetoed that, okay. Or being like that can make the list. I I, okay. I, I throw that challenge to you for like okay. our next episode. Sounds good. All right. Now it's one week later, and I've watched Life, Jeremy. Okay. I did my homework. I was a good <laughs> student. I did my homework. I watched Life. 
So what did you think, man? I I should have trusted you, but I'm glad I didn't trust you because then it prompted me to watch this movie. Right. But I really think, like, honestly, as far as laughs, like pure laughs per minute, I think maybe only coming to America is higher on that scale of Eddie Murphy movies than life. Wow. This yeah. movie was hilarious. <laughs> God, it was it cracked me up from like ten minutes in, I was like, oh my gosh. I, I made a mistake even doubting that this should be an essential Eddie Murphy movie because I was hooked 10 minutes in. I was cracking up. I was just, oh, I, I loved it. Like his rapport with Martin Lawrence is mm-hmm. up there with me and it maybe exceeds his rapport with Arsenio, honestly. I think he probably had better rapport with Martin Lawrence in life than he did I with agree. Arsenio in Coming to America, but it's close and that says a lot. But uh, this movie was just really, really impressive to me. Jeremy, no, like, yeah. I, I'm glad. I'm glad because I think, and it's not about favorites on here, and it's essential, but I think it's one of the over, and it's a great, you know, catalog, a great career that Eddie Murphy has had, but I feel like yeah. this one is just so overlooked because you mentioned the laughs, but then also the seriousness, the, the dramatic parts, and that's why I think I agree with you. Eddie and Arsenio, it was strictly comedy you know, and their chemistry, Eddie and Martin in life had to do both. They had to do comedy, but then there was some really serious dramatic acting that they both excelled in. Yeah. Yeah. It was great. Like I didn't expect to get choked up at the end of the mm-hmm. movie. I don't really want to spoil it because there might be some people who like me, it slipped through the cracks, right. but just at the end of the movie, it like really choked me up. It was really heartfelt and it was a wonderful, just like how they did it. Like I didn't even whatever happened, I didn't see coming. Like it was just such a great ride, like if, with laughs. But you're right, like just emotionally, the bond that the the characters Martin Lawrence and Eddie Murphy, the characters formed mm-hmm. over the X amount of years. I don't even know how many years they're, they ended up. Yeah. Forty plus years. Forty, 40 plus. Years. Yeah. Uh, God, it was just it was just it had it had laughs. It had heart. It had and by laughs I mean like constant. Like I was laughing at the. The timing of the delivery. I was laughing at the actual jokes. I was laughing at facial expressions. I was laughing at the the rest of not even just Martin Lawrence and Eddie Murphy, like the rest of the guys that they were in jail with were hilarious in their own right. Mm-hmm. Too. It mm-hmm. was such a fun, like ensemble thing. Like some stuff that stood out. Like so I like at the beginning when Eddie Murphy was and I, for some reason I don't have the characters' names at the tip of my tongue. This is a new movie. Ray and Claude. So so Ray. So when Ray was talking about how the watch was important to him, yeah, right, his daddy's watch, and then he was getting agitated when Claude kept saying watch, and he's like, "Stop saying watch. From now on, say little clock or some shit." Like <laughs> it's just like things like that. Just like were perfect lines. Eddie's perfect delivery. Oh yeah. Oh god. And also when when the guy in jail is trying to take Martin Lawrence's cornbread. And and then Eddie mm-hmm. stands up for him. That whole mm-hmm. exchange. Look, I don't, I don't need you to, to, to take up for me. I'm all right. I'm a, I'm a grown man. I can handle it. If you it. let him have your cornbread, you're going to be ironing his drawers and clipping his toenails. Maybe I ought to eat your cornbread. Oh, oh motherfucker, you can't have my cornbread. That's for damn sure. Because if you try to take my cornbread, part two of my killing spree going to begin up in here on your ass right now. If you think about my cornbread, they get the taste out your mouth. That's for damn sure. No, fuck him. Fuck that. Cause I'm from New York City, goddammit. Nobody take no cornbread from me. And that go for you and any other you motherfucking farmers wanna try some shit. You fuck around with me, it's gonna be consequences and repercussions. 
But you ain't gonna eat my cornbread up in here. Part two, my killing spree going on right up in here. You try to go off the my cornbread. Uh-uh. Yes. Oh my gosh. So there are just so many, just like classic, classic moments. I don't know how this movie, because from, from what I read, I wasn't the only one that slept on this right. movie. I'm shocked that so many people, including myself, overlooked this movie, quite honestly. I think for, and I, you know, for the list, like you put Dolomite and that was a great, I think for the second half of like Eddie, like the latter half of his career, it's, it's his best movie. It's his best performance. Like I, I really think like he was, and I know even dream girls, he got nominated for an Oscar for, but I think what he does in life is just unbelievable. Yeah. This was an extension of the nutty professor. So I appreciate what he did in the nutty professor Mm-hmm. But to me, this was like, no pun intended, like more raw Eddie Murphy, <laughs> you know, as far as just he's out of character. So it's just Eddie doing Eddie stuff out of costume and out of makeup and out of character. And this this movie is just like it's already pretty near and dear to my heart. And I, I just watched it for like basically for the first time this yeah. week and I was floored. I was so impressed. And I need to realize that you know what the hell you're talking about. <laughs> at least when it comes to Eddie Murphy, I do. I love yes. some Eddie, so at least when it comes to Eddie. But now I appreciate you putting in the work um, yeah. and, and watching it because it is one that uh, it's near and dear to my heart, too. And it's a special one. And I just think, won't go through spoilers, but I did mention this scene a week ago. But that part where they confront the sheriff, you know, yeah. 40 years later. Who Played by Arlie fit- Ermey. Yes. From Full yes. Metal Jacket. and Yeah. Yep. Good call. And it's like the emotion and the acting that Eddie has when they finally, and that build up when they finally confront him. I mean, that part gets me tears every time. Yeah. And then even afterwards, the, the that scene with the warden talking to him in about 40 years, like you can't make up for 40. Like, it's just, man, it's it yeah. just hits you. Like, you're right. It, you're going to be cracking up, but then you'll also have tears too. Absolutely. But I was cracking up during that scene, though. And that's the mm-hmm. genius of the movie is that it was this heartfelt scene. But there's still a little part where yep. when, when yep. Uh, Claude finds out that who that sheriff is, he's mm-hmm. like, oh, no, hell no. Give me the gun. <laughs> so he's like, uh, I'm going to take care of this. You know, so like there was some comic relief, too, in that like emotional scene, like the way they thread the the com- the comedy with the emotion and and stuff just just really really got me so uh yeah officially uh life is is one of our choices for uh an essential eddie murphy movie and now back to the rest of our eddie murphy conversation i'm just curious though one thing that i've gotten when i tell people you know we're a new podcast but they heard the idea now they've we're recording this end of october so the show is out and the different ways you can look at essential. So people, when I say that, I always try to repeat it because then they, they'll go to best or favorite, but they'll be like, oh, I'm like, no, essential. And then I'm getting different definitions from people, mm-hmm. which is great. So I, for this one, what was the approach you took when it came to like how Thomas is picking essential Eddie Murphy films? I think movies that were pivotal in telling the story of his career, and that's almost how I, how I look at as far as a lot of our topics or most of our topics, to be honest with you, um, before this, we've done like Simpsons episodes, nineties, hip hop songs. And I just feel like, does it do a good job of telling another side or another angle of, of the story in this case, 
Eddie Murphy's filmography, Eddie Murphy's story as an actor, where do these films fit in as far as like different sides of Eddie or something that was pivotal in his career? So that's how I approach it. And it's definitely not like Thomas's favorite. I just want to be able to use these to tell the story of their career. So that's kind of, that's how I've been approaching this. No, no. And I I appreciate it because I think it's just fascinating because there's a lot of different ways you can look at essential, yeah. which is why we talked when we came up with the show, like we wanted to do that been best or favorite. Um, and I think that's just, it's important. Like I, I agree with you. Like when it's like for me, a combination of telling the story of a career, but also what, in my opinion, what makes this entity, what makes them great, what shows them, what, what they're known for, what you think of with this, what's showing that. And I, it's an interesting mix. It's not an exact equation. You know, we're not scientists. We're we're podcasters, you know, pop culture lovers. But I, I think it's just fun and interesting to kind of hear because it can be hard. I think all these to me in a good way were harder than I thought. Every episode we've done, yeah. I go into it thinking this is easy. And then when I sit down and rewatch or I think about it and I or re-listen, I'm like, this is tougher than I thought. There's And there's going to be more than five essentials for anything. So we, we got feedback from uh, our Simpsons episode, and somebody said, you know, what about the monorail? Well, I was like, well, yeah, that's probably an essential Simpsons episode. It's just not one that we picked. Right. So th- that there's that, too. We're not saying that, Sp- that Spike Lee or Eddie Murphy only has five essential movies. Correct. So, this, yeah, I, I agree with you. It's interesting how the different interpretation of this. I think it's it, it leads to... Uh, uh, good discussion. Absolutely. Absolutely. So to recap our five essential Eddie Murphy movies, we have Coming to America, 48 Hours, The Nutty Professor, Dolomite Is My Name, and Life. Those are our five. I think it's a strong five, Thomas. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. A good mix of heart, good mix of laughs. As Eddie being Eddie, uh, I think it's a great five. This was awesome, man. Yeah. It, it hurts me to not to put Trading Places. To be honest with you, that's a, like a holiday classic for me. <laughs> yeah. So I'm yeah. looking and I'm like, did I really not pick Trading Places? But, well, I didn't. And I think there's a lot of overlap with that and Coming to America for me. Um, in, in a lot of ways. ways. Yeah, in a lot of ways. Um, there's two characters that are in both movies. Say, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but just like it's a rags to riches kind of story. There's a little a little tweak in that. And there's some funny scenes. And I, I love it. Like Trading Places is near and dear to my heart. Um, but so if we were doing like a, uh, five favorites trading yes, places would be on here. this, I mean, but, plus it's filmed um, in Philly. So, I mean, that hits yeah, me. Yeah. That's they, special a, for wow. me. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. Um, so if it's five favorites, trading places would be on it. Five essentials. I'm fine with trading places, uh, not being on it. Jeremy, can you explain, um, the end of trading places to me? I quick? cannot. I cannot. Um, I was going to put you on the spot. Yeah, I cannot. I've asked some business people to split, and <laughs> yeah. they're like, some say, like, I'm like, I just ask them, can that really happen? Is that real? Yeah. I've kind of gotten like, it is a real, like, that is real. Like, you can kind of do that a little bit. Yeah. I've heard that. Don't quote me on that, people, but I just love seeing them get, you know, they're on this the is island. Fun. Yeah. 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 You know? It's fun. They're, they're victory lap there. At, at the island. I, I think it seems like they kind of screwed over more people than just the Dukes, but, but Possibly, I don't know. Possibly, yeah. Possibly. It's how you read it. It's, but yeah, no, I love Trading Places. So if I was to do an honorable mention, Trading Places would be like the forefront of that. No, that's a good one because um, the only reason why I said didn't 
think it is because it's honestly more of an ensemble with Dan Aykroyd and Jamie Lee and the two brothers. Like it's it's like a more of an and Eddie's great in it, but it's like he's kind of sharing the screen time. Rightfully, everyone is great in that movie, but uh, that's kind of why I didn't. I agree with you though. Best or favorite list, Trading Places makes it for me. Yeah, I was going to say a story. I don't know. I'll, I'll, I might say it, and 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 you can edit it out if it's not okay. great. Okay. But uh, my first that was my first time because I had seen it on like Comedy Central. You know, it's being edited. But then I went to like the store and bought the movie. I know where you're going. Go ahead. And my dad loves this. He's not a movie guy, but he watched it with me. And that was my first time seeing boobs on on the screen. <laughs> yeah. The and lady, it was like, or was it Jamie Lee Curtis? Or it was Jamie was Lee Curtis. That and then the lady dancing at, right. the, at the at the party. <laughs> yeah. And then I was just like, I did not know that was happening. And then my dad's like, I forgot about that. I forgot. And then we both at the same time. I was like, don't tell. He's like, don't tell your mother. And we both were like, all right, like that was our yeah. like secret. But that was the first time was uh, trading places, and it was like. This is not on Comedy Central. So, okay. A formative, a formative experience. I love yes. it. Yeah. That reminds yes. me of when I really, when I was a kid, I really wanted to see Boys in the Hood. Mm-hmm. And my mom decided to rent it for me because I guess she, like, she really didn't vet the movie or anything. Yeah. And there yeah. was a kind of a sex scene that Cuba Gooding Jr.'s character was retelling to Lawrence Fishburne, his dad. Mm-hmm. And it was. Yeah, and my mom turned it off. She turned off the movie and said, "Yeah, we're not watching the rest of it." So <laughs> that's one of the few movies that my mom just like straight up just turned off. She so, was like, "We're, we're done." We're yeah, done with this. yeah. So, so I've had that experience with other movies too. I could see that. Yeah, Trading Place is a similar experience for me uh, as well, Jeremy. Okay, I love it. All right. <laughs> okay, it was like, oh wow. I'm like the lady from True Lies is uh, getting down here. So, okay, <laughs> I was like, all righty. But that that's always comes to mind with that it was uh, something my dad and I still joke about to this day. It's like remember that he goes, I do remember that. I'm like, okay. yeah. And that was the '80s. We you, you got more random like topless scenes and stuff. You really N- did random in those nudity movies. in, in yeah. '80s movies that you forgot about, right? Because they made yeah. no sense. It made no sense. Like why did that lady at the the party that Eddie Murphy was throwing? Why did she have to? Why did those two ladies have to take their tops off and start dancing? Like that had nothing to anything. Right. It right. could have just been like because the idea of that scene was just Eddie was had turned into like a rich person, so he started kind of acting like a rich person and valuing right. like don't mess up my carpet, don't mess this up. They could have done all of that without like two topless women dancing, but that was the eighties. That's just what they did. Exactly that, and that's what I I think like these movies kind of helped me. The eighties were just wild. Like once like Reagan got in there, (laughs) money, you know, they just spin, 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 greed, 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 greed. And then it was just like, for no reason, they were just why I think every, every, if I hear about a party in the eighties, even like in my own like life, I'm just like, it must've been wild. And there must've been cocaine and just topless (laughs) women. That's like a guarantee at these parties now. And uh, sadly, I'm not like wrong when people tell these stories that I know in my life who are like older and like in the 80s, those things pop up and I go, okay, so the 80s were crazy. Yes. I'm like, just remember that when you judge our generation. Exactly. Yeah. So, Thomas, next week will be your pick. So, uh, you want to let everyone know, give a little preview of what you decided to choose for uh, next week's episode? Yes, sir. So, back in October, uh, Killers of the Flower Moon got released, uh, the new Martin Scorsese movie. So I thought that'd be a great time. One of the quintessential directors that we have, one of my favorite directors, 
I thought it'd be a great time to discuss a, another director's filmography. We already did Spike Lee. So next week, we're going to be talking Martin Scorsese. Going to do five essential Martin Scorsese movies. So I'm looking forward to this. I saw Killers of the Flower Moon. Is it going to be on? I don't know. You're going to have to tune in next week to uh, find out. Jeremy, Martin Scorsese next week for us. I know. I'm excited. I also just saw Killers of the Flower Moon, so... Love to even pick your brain about that next week. And then this guy has a lot of films, a long history, a great history. And this, you can go a lot of ways with this. And I, I think it'll be it'll be hard to go chalk with this episode because there's just so many things you can pick from with Martin. Yes, we're looking forward to talking about a great, interesting director in Martin Scorsese. This was fun, though, man. This was good. And, uh, you know, you guys can uh, follow us on Twitter. Let us know what you think. Like Thomas said, someone, people comment on our list, agree, disagree. So on Twitter or X, you know, at Pop Culture 5. You can even follow us on Instagram, same handle, at Pop Culture 5. And also, you know, if you have things that you want to hear, so if you agree with us or disagree, it's fine. But if there's a topic you want to throw out and suggest, you can write to Thomas and I, and, you know, we'll try to do it and we'll give you a shout out. So, uh, just let us know and let us know what you're thinking about it. So uh, you can also rate and subscribe or wherever you listen to podcasts as well. Indeed. Yes. Thank you so much, Jeremy. It's been fun. Yes. So for the man who loves to party all the time, Mr. Thomas Senna, I'm Jeremy Dove. Thank you guys for listening to <laughs> Pop Culture 5. <laughs> Peace. Some such.